0: Well good morning church. My name is Camille Maddock. I'm the associate pastor here at church and what a joy it is to be with you this morning as we continue our beautiful day in the neighborhood series. Now Andy has mentioned that I am the Mr. Rogers expert in our house. I don't know if that's an accurate description but I am a big fan of Mr. Rogers. I grew up watching him as a child. I even watched him as a teenager when I was homesick from school. I even watched Mr. Rogers in college. He was the background noise when I would be studying for finals. There was just something about his voice, about the way that he would talk to me directly, reminding me that I was loved and special and created with a purpose. Now I don't have a lot of Star Wars toys or Legos that some fans might have in their home offices. I don't have a whole lot of Mr. Rogers tattoos yet. But I do quote Mr. Rogers an awful lot in everyday conversation. I have many of his songs playing in my head as a background to ministry and life. I do know enough about the program to recognize the difference between a trolley and a train. (laughs) I don't think that that makes me an expert, but if passionate and zealous fans of Taylor Swift call themselves Swifties, well, then I am definitely a Raji. So, now that you know about my devotion to Mr. Rogers, won't you just take a brief moment to pause with me and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, there's nowhere we can go that you are not already there. Help us to be aware of your presence this morning. Open our ears and our hearts to hear the message you would have for us today. May the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. So Mr. Rogers has long been a role model for me in my life, in my ministry, and my faith. His worldview and how he lived his faith passionately without preaching or lecturing inspired me. I think Mr. Rogers was and still is a prophetic voice. Calling us to remember our sacred identity, to work together to build the kingdom of God, the neighborhood of heaven, right here and now. He was countercultural. He was a radical prophet. Now, we don't typically think of Mr. Rogers as a radical prophet, most likely because he didn't appear that way. His gentle voice, his tender movements, his kind ways of engaging with his viewers. There was nothing radical in changing from a suit jacket to a comfortable sweater or from loafers to canvas tennis shoes. But a prophet he was, one that invited us to make the world into a countercultural neighborhood of love, a neighborhood that was rooted in the kingdom of God. And that's the theme of this series, that building the kingdom of God in our own lives and in the world around us is what we were created for. We can be like Mr. Rogers. We too can make the world a better place with love and forgiveness, with kindness and wonder. Now, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was primarily a children's show, and it's easy to dismiss the lessons learned as childish and unworthy of our time as adults who live in the real world. But that would be a mistake. Yes, it was a show for children, but it was one with depth and intentional lessons that adults needed to hear too. His messages were simple but deep. The fact that he prided himself on that hidden in plain sight within each episode were reminders for everyone, regardless of their age, of what he considered essential faith matters. That you have value, and so does everyone else. That you should treat yourself and others with care and respect. That people's differences should not just be acknowledged, but welcomed and respected. That talking about the things that make us feel bad is not only acceptable, but good and healing. That taking the time to slow down helps us to recognize the beauty and the spirit of God that surrounds us. Mr. Rogers was a radical prophet because he shared a message that was different than what the world was trying to tell us. These last two weeks, we've looked at how he taught us that we each had a sacred identity, that we were special just the way we are, that we were created in the very image of God. He taught us that we didn't have to do anything to be worthy of being loved. He taught us how to go out into our neighborhoods, to be loving and kind, to see others the way God sees them. He made things that seemed overwhelming and unapproachable less scary and accessible and worth talking about because what is mentionable is the manageable. He taught us how to live our lives with authenticity, authenticity and honesty. And this week, we're looking at another of his radical and prophetic messages, How he taught us that a sense of awe and wonder is a vital part of our faith lives and our growth as disciples. Creativity, awe, imagination, and wonder are all fundamental to who we are as human beings. Wondering, as Mr. Rogers taught us, episode after episode is something we can all do and the capacity to wonder, to seek meaning, to stay curious, to see the world around us with awe-filled eyes should be a big part of our discipleship and faith. You know, at some point in each neighborhood of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, the trolley would take us to the neighborhood of make-believe, where anything is possible. And as the names apply, the neighborhood of make-believe is a place where fantastical things happened. It was filled with whimsical and amusing characters. My favorite was Lady Elaine Fairchild. Yes, she was a troublemaker. Yes, she was a bit cranky. And if I'm being honest, she was probably the scariest looking of all the puppets. But she was one of the only ones who would stand up to King Friday when he made absurd choices. And she could literally turn the neighborhood upside down with a flick of her boomerang. That was cool. Now, Mr. Rogers never appeared in the neighborhood of make-believe. This was on purpose. To make clear that the neighborhood was a place that was noticeably separate from his real neighborhood. And that separation had two goals. On one hand, it was Mr. Rogers' way of helping us to understand what is real and what is just make-believe. And on the other hand, keeping them separate taught us that imagination and wonder-filled play could allow us to work through situations and feelings in our own lives. You see, the neighborhood of make-believe is not an escape. Those of us Rajis or even casual viewers of the show know this. The neighborhood of make-believe is not a place we go to so that we can hide from our problems. It's filled with problems that would arise for our make-believe neighbors, which often resemble the ones that we were dealing with in the real world. Mr. Rogers knew that imagining offers a vital opportunity to learn because sometimes parts of reality we can see can be understood more clearly from the perspective of the pretend world. And after the trolley would return to his home, Mr. Rogers would often comment and talk to his viewers about what happened in the neighborhood of make-believe and how the lessons that we learned could be applied to the real world. He would often explain in interviews that anything can happen in make-believe, and therefore we can talk about anything in reality. You see, these visits to the neighborhood of make-believe showed us that the ability to wonder, to be creative, is readily available, and it has a place and a purpose in all aspects of our lives. And as adults, we must remember that our lives and our imaginations do not have to be so limited. Understanding wonder and awe as something sacred was a lesson that Mr. Rogers learned while he was in seminary. He was on vacation with his wife, Joanne, and another couple who they were friends with. He was excited to visit a local church on Sunday morning because he had heard that their pastor was an exceptional preacher. And when they got to church that morning, this well-known preacher was not delivering the sermon Instead, it was done by an older guest preacher. Mr. Rogers would later describe this uh, replacement pastor as delivering what he called the most poorly crafted sermon he had ever heard in his life. When the sermon mercifully ended, as he put it, he turned to one of his friends, expecting her to share in his frustration and his criticism and he quickly realized that she had tears in her eyes. He said exactly what I needed to hear, she said to him. And Mr. Rogers was speechless. How could that terrible sermon be what she needed to hear? The experience taught him a lesson that he carried with him forever. He realized that the difference between him and his friend was that she had come with a heart of need and he had come with a heart of judgment. That experience taught him to recognize that the space between someone who is offering the best they can and someone who is in need is holy ground. Mr. Rogers planned. He thought through every moment of every episode of his show. He was a bit of a perfectionist, but he was also keenly aware that that holy ground, that space between him and his viewers was not under his control, but the Holy Spirit's. He was fond of saying, we speak with more than our mouths. We hear with more than our ears. You see, this space between this holy ground is created when we listen with awe and wonder. When we come open to the possibilities of hearing what we need to hear, the Holy Spirit gets to work. The Holy Spirit thrives in awe and wonder. It bubbles. It springs forth when we can surrender our criticisms and our judgments, when we can replace those with curiosity It guides us. It teaches us to dance with God when we allow the space for creativity and play. Scripture has that same possibility. We can read it for the black ink on the page or we can allow it to bubble up our curiosity, encouraging us to dance with our Creator. Hear now these words from Psalm 8. O Lord, our sovereign How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? Mortals that you care for them, yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with honor and glory. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now Psalm 8 is arguably one of the best known and best loved Psalms. It beautifully weaves together the words of awe at the grandeur of what God has created. And then the expressions of wonder that not only did the God of all creation create humanity... But entrusted the care of creation, the very works of God's fingers to us mere humans. Psalm 8 is born from a sense of awe, marveling at the establishment of the moon and stars. The psalmist is struck by a particular sense of worship. It's not hard to imagine that this psalm was inspired by an experience of gazing at the night sky. If the author was David, it's easy to picture him as a youth on the hills surrounding Bethlehem tending to his father's sheep and studying the magnificence of the starry night while he's lying on his back. I can't help but be struck by the significance that the vastness of creation when this psalm was written was not as visible, was not as known as it is today There was so much to be in awe of then, how much more does our technology make us awestruck at what God has created? If the psalmist was struck by the vastness of the skies and the stars seen with just the naked eye, how much more should we respond in astonishment to the pictures from the web telescope with that sense of awe? At the work of God's fingertips, it leads the psalmist to wonder and imagine, how is it that the great and majestic God is mindful of me? It's not difficult to see the pictures from the telescope showing us the vastness of creation and think the same thing. The God who created all of this is aware of us as individuals. And not just aware of us, God has created us to bear God's image. God has crowned us with glory and honor. He has called us into a position to care for and to serve as God's representative to all creation. It's humbling to wonder and think about how the God who made all that splendor sees us and loves us. Our awe and praise to God for how almighty and majestic and just plain big God is must be magnified by our wonder over God's ability to notice us in our littleness. We weren't some accident or some coincidence. We were created on purpose and with a purpose. God created us for God, for creation, for each other. God looked at humanity with all of its potential, with its freedom to choose, to love, to think, to give of itself. God looked at humanity endowed with abilities far beyond those of animals. God looked at us with all of our frailties, and God said, it is very good. Last week, Andy mentioned how much he and I were blessed to listen to the Reverend Dr. Kirk Byron Jones at our clergy convocation. Maybe it was our focus on Mr. Rogers that helped us to be attentive to listening in need and not judgment, to allowing space between us to be holy ground. But every time that he finished speaking, Andy and I turned to each other and expressed that he had said exactly what we needed to hear. One of his talks was on the need and the benefit of holy play, And how we can move forward together with God to imagine and live our purpose with creativity and joy. For the Reverend Dr. Jones, a life of discipleship is incomplete if all we focus on is prayer or study or worship or service. We are missing a space of holy ground when we don't include wonder and creativity and play. Creativity, he says, is what happens when freedom and joy come together. It's the overflow of freedom and joy. Being crowned with God's glory and being created in God's image means that we have a holy calling to join God in free and joyful and playful creative expression. The life of faith and discipleship is a divine adventure. God is calling us to join in the creative dance. God's divine guidance is best received when we dance together with God and actively play our part in this holy adventure we call life. One of the essential messages of holy play is that we need to relax when we think about our calling and our purpose. We should look around at creation around us. We should see ourselves joyfully playing and dancing within it instead of intensely searching for meaning and purpose beyond it. Creativity is a vital part of our divine adventure with God. Living a life with wonder and awe, playfully dancing onto holy ground is not childish behavior that we adults should avoid because we live in the real world. Being playful, dancing with God, does not mean that we're going to deny the hurt or the pain or the suffering that can be part of life. Instead, holy play, dancing with God, it means that we're moving through both the good and the challenging parts of life with anticipation and engagement and fulfillment. Holy play helps us in our hurt and our pain to find the grace and the love and the very embrace of God. It helps us to take what is unmentionable and make it manageable, just like the neighborhood of make-believe did for Mr. Rogers. It's also essential to understand that holy play, our creative breakthroughs, don't always come from doing something new, but sometimes from doing something we've already been doing with greater awareness and concentration. Being a creative partner to God does not mean that we have to create masterpieces. It's the process, the journey with wonder and awe that matters. Mr. Rogers knew this. On one episode of the show, uh, it was themed about how people make crayons. And after showing a video of the process, he sat down at a large easel and began to draw. And as he drew, he talked, he asked, Do you like to draw with crayons? I do, but I'm not very good at it. But it doesn't matter. It's just the fun of doing it that is important. Our soul's job is not just to inspire and guide us, but to challenge us and transform us. And that happens when we find ourselves on holy ground dancing with God. Our call, our purpose is not something we passively receive from God. We actively create it with God. And within this marvelous and mysterious creation, God invites us, God inspires us. God never imposes. This is what it means to dance with a God who created the vastness of the universe. We are created in God's very image, so we're not just creatures, but creators, it would be impossible to perceive of God without creativity. It's impossible as it would be to perceive of God without love. Creativity is at the very heart of God's nature and therefore it's an innate part of us as God's creation whether we realize it or not. We are called to live lives of awe, wonder, and creativity with God. Our souls we're created to be playful. And we will, when we let ourselves be free to wander, to reside in the holy ground of listening and dancing with God, it opens us to hear the spiritual nudges that God is sending us. Those thoughts, those feelings, those impressions, those impulses that spark an idea, that inspire an action that we anticipate will be for our transformation Or the transformation of the world around us. It's in that holy space of wonder and creativity. That our souls are working in tandem with God. To bring about new possibilities. It's where we look to see our lives. And the world as it is. And then we look again. To see how it could be. How God is calling it to be. This is what mr rogers understood about wonder and imagination the neighborhood of make-believe always came back to the real world because it could have such a redeeming and transformational effect on the real world we stand in awe we wonder we dance creatively in the holy space so that we can build god's neighborhood god's kingdom here and now you know, one of Mr. Rogers' regular songs was You've Got to Do It. And The opening lyrics are this. You can make believe it happens or pretend that something's true. You can wish or hope or contemplate a thing you'd like to do, but until you start to do it, you will never see it through. Because the make-believe pretending just won't do it for you. You've got to do it. Every little bit, you've got to do it, do it, do it, do it. Mr. Rogers knew that the creativity that came from play could inspire us to go forth and to do that which we are dreaming of. Sitting in awe and wonder is a sacred act. Holy play and creating together with God is who we were created to be, but it doesn't end with us. Our time on holy ground is meant to transform, not just us. Mr. Rogers always ends by going out into the neighborhood, by sending us out into our neighborhoods, because he knew that we would find that we would make meaning together in community. Wonder and creativity is not an exclusively solitary experiment. It affects how we live and exist with one another. We make sense of life. We live most creatively when we share ourselves with each other. Wonder and play are what we are called to do. We are called to live each day imagining and practicing new ways of being in God's neighborhood, being in relationship with ourselves, with with others, with all that we encounter. Living lives of holy play means that we deliberately engage with life and God's creation as co-creators. So may we go from here and do it, do it do it will you join me in a moment of prayer